Repeat the talk with me today. Please say the script. The script. That's really the topic I wanted today. I, I gave it a, another name a little bit, but I, I wanted to talk about something that's been on my mind. This is a script. This is something that has been in my life for a while, um, this particular thought. And I'm surprised sometimes at how easy it is for a person to not realize that their life is really a script from God's perspective. He knows everything that you are going to do. Now, this is really a script, a real script, for real. It's not a make-believe script. Uh, what's the name of this script right here? What did I say? An Officer and a Gentleman. It's a real movie. I got the real script. Printed off and everything. And it's got lines in it, you know, where, where you, know, you know how a script works, right? They give it to actors to tell them what to say to people. And so the, one actor would say this, and then, then, then you know, this is your line. So everybody has a line. And uh, you write a script, you know. Somebody sits down and writes a script. Now, there are two scripts I have in mind today. You ready? This is um, my script. This is God's script. Now, did I make that up or did I really say that? This says what? God, right? And what's it say? Mine, right? Okay. So when you see this color, this is my script. This is God's script. Most people have a script. The problem is you didn't read it. So when you date them, and you go out with them, they have a script that they follow. And in their mind, it goes kind of like this. It goes like, okay, see, when I say, loan me $5, you say, yes. That's what I wrote in the script. And I expect you, if you're my friend, if I need $500, according to this script on page 39, you're supposed to say yes. And when you don't say yes, I get mad. Because you did not follow my script. You ever look for a man like that? You're looking for a man who knows your script, who will do what you say because you say it, right? Because you wrote the script, and of course, your script is right. What you write in your script is what everybody should follow. As a matter of fact, you're mad with a few people because they're not following your script, which you wrote. This is how you talk to me. When I cuss you, right here on page 12, you say, yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. That's what it says in my script. And if you don't say it, we have a problem. Because I don't like the way you're talking to me, according to my script. <laughs> Can I get an amen in here? I can't think about what I'm saying. Is that how you live? You mad with a few people? Right now, because your sister won't follow your script, they won't listen to you lecture them or talk to them. According to your script, when you talk, everybody should listen. Parents have scripts. Mad, you're mad with your children because according to your script, they should visit you. Right here on page 10. When you get to a certain age, you should see me. I am the mother. I am the father. I don't come see you. You should call me every day. I should call you. Script. I wrote it. You should obey it because I wrote it. Now, what's interesting is there's another script. <laughs> it's God's script. And here's the question. Uh, how do we balance these two? 
do we balance this with, uh, let's see, 10% God, 90% you? Whose scripture we follow? Now, let me say this up front. This is important. I think you should have a right to write things in your script, your dream, for your life. These are the things I want. That's not, I'm not against that. But here's what I've learned. I oftentimes have written things in my script that I didn't know about. Expectations that I had. And some of you have a lot of expectations. And a lot of people are frustrated with you because they don't know your script. Or here's a bigger one. They don't agree with it. And you have a problem with anybody in your life who doesn't agree with your script. You're angry today solely because... The people on your job don't agree with your script. You work for them, but you got a script for them. I should be able to take off as many days as I want to. When things happen, you should understand, according to my script. And so everybody in the world around you is judged by what you say. There's a great verse in the Bible that says, every man's ways are right, or every man's script is right in his own eyes. It's how you see it. But how do you, what do you care about God's script? What do you care about what he says? How valuable is that to you? If we, to, we were to zoom in close, the question is whether you ever really give much value to this script. Now, in my experience, most of us live by our own script, and we sprinkle in a little bit of God. Just a little bit. Just a drip or a drop here and there. But when it comes to certain areas of our life, his script doesn't really matter. Not if you look at how we respond to it. Now, I want to give an example. I'm going to get on and off of it. I'm only making a couple of points, okay? I'm just making up. I'm making, I'm making an observation according to his script. And I give verses. I can go through all that, but let's not do that today. Let's assume it's all in the Bible because, you know, it is. But I'm about to tell you. If you um, are a cusser fighter, beat up people person, according to God's script, that ain't right in this book, according to his script. If you are having sex outside of marriage, believe it or not, I'm sorry, apologize. I'm going to get on and off of it. I know it's fun for people, but hear me. According to his script, it's not right. Now, in this script, it's okay. And this script is fine. It's fine. It's on page whatever you want. You know, whatever you want. I mean, it's, you can do anything you want. He said, why'd you pick on that? I don't know. I just did something. I could be lying. Okay, I can name, I can name a bunch of stuff. But since a lot of people do that, I thought it'd be fun to say it. So, here's the deal. If... <laughs> Can I get an amen? Are you with me? I mean, why talk about stuff you're not doing? Talk about stuff you're doing, right? So this is important for people to understand. You know, if you're living together, you're not married, that's according to your script. I understand it's fine. Please don't think I'm picking on you. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. I'm just saying in scripts here. Scripts. We're talking about scripts today. This script says it's fine. This script says it's not fine. Do you care? Do you care? Now, you may say, well, you know, you're whatever. Okay. But get the point. Everybody say, God's script, God's script. My, script. my script. Okay, I'm done with that. Here we go. All right, here we go. Today in our study, we start a brand new series. The series is tied to a theme for the year. Say, cutting a new path. That's the theme for the year. And my answer to you, the question I've been answering all year long, and I plan to answer is, how do you do that? How do you cut a new path in your life? The first thing I said you need to do is build a better you i got to build a better me. It doesn't start with anybody else. It starts with me working on me. Now, if I start on me and I get me right, then yeah, we got a chance. But if I don't start with me, if I allow myself to get distracted, I might miss something. So 
Ricky Temple, how do you start with you? Well, I got to first of all decide not to be fragile, not to be fearful, not to be fake. I did a whole bunch of stuff to have good habits. I got to make sure that I have faith. I'm not a faithless person. Those are all the things I talked about in the first part of our study this year. We turn, we turn, we change gears now, and now I want to talk about you can't just build a better you. You must build better vision. So here's the answer to the question. How do you cut a new path? Repeat with me, please. Say, build a better you, build a better you. and build a better vision, a better which means you've got to see. You have to see clearly, because if you don't see clearly, it doesn't work. If you don't see that you're living by your script and not God's script, if you don't see the difference, if you've convinced yourself you can do anything you want, and I know I've made a couple of things. I'm not I'm truly not trying to pick on people. I'm just making a point. There are things that people do, and they never think about it. There are ways they behave, things, habits they have, lifestyle choices they make, and they really truly don't care about God's script. And so I want you to think about this for a minute, and that's why I ask you the question, the first sermon, the first message in this series is, what can you see? What can you see? What can you see? What do you see? Do you see your script more than God's script? What do you see? A lot of us, if we're honest, it's hard to see anything beyond our own way. In the coming weeks, I'm going to take another turn. I promised you this last week, but I changed gears a little bit on you. Next week, I'm going to talk about the importance of location. If you want to see properly, it's all about where you're located. So I'll ask a question next week. How has your location affected your ability to see? I argue that where you live is important. Who you hang with is important. What city you live in is important. What part of the country you're in. How you see the world from, from a heavenly perspective. I do funerals all the time. I, I deal with death every week. If, I, if my mind is only located here on earth, I'll get in trouble. And I promised you last week, and I'll do this, I promise, next week, where I talk about, you know, how God sees things from his, from his calendar, how he sees from his location, the world looks different. But then I also will talk about the importance of having the right experiences. I wish to God I can get some of you to travel just a little bit. A little bit beyond where you, you've been in life. You've not seen enough to really conclude some of the things you've come to. You, you've come to some conclusions that aren't, they're just not, they're just not true. America is not the world. It seems like it to you. But there are millions of people. More people live outside of America than live in America. If you're not careful, one of my friends said, you know, you guys are the only country that has a news station, CNN, and you watch yourselves all day. <laughs> you, only, you, don't, you don't even watch foreign news. You don't care what's going on in Africa or Asia or anywhere else. You only, you only care about what's going on in your neighborhood. You're a locally-minded person. And, and, and that's the thing. there's nothing wrong with being local in your focus. I live here, but I live in a world. Can we get an amen on that? Amen. Scare yourself and watch international news sometimes. Find out that you're not the only ones who've been enslaved. You're not the only people who've had hardships. You're not the only people who suffer financial challenge. There are women around the world that are way poorer than you. There are children around the world that are way poorer than you. Their daily life is different. I have a, a cousin who lives in Compton. It's so funny. And she has this, you know, she has this thing where, you know, they rent out rooms. And people from all over the world come stay in her house. And she says it was, you know, Compton. And so they came in, some people from, like, Czechoslovakia, other places. And, uh, and 
you know, Asia. Some other, and so it, they came and said, we're going to go for a walk tonight. She said, oh, no, don't do that. Don't do that. She, she, she said, it's Compton. No, don't do that. It's nighttime. They said, oh, it's fine. Well, we're different, different places. Blow up people and shoot people. They, they ain't scared. So they went for walks. It was a great neighborhood. They had a good time. <laughs> My cousin's proud of Compton. Now, you better not talk about Compton. I go to Compton every year to hang out with my cousins. Compton. But I'm telling you, there's something profound about being clear in your mind that maybe your location has affected the way you see things. We'll talk about that next week. Then thirdly, we'll talk about expectations, experiences rather. Your experiences affect your seeing. Third, fourthly, your belief system. And then lastly, your family of origin. We'll talk about all that. Your family has affected you. And the Bible says in Exodus chapter 20, it affects you to the third and fourth generation. A lot of the ways you live is tied to your family. Everybody in your family has diabetes because everybody in your family eats the same way. They feed you diabetic food all your life. And so at a certain age, it kicks in. Bam, there you go. You got sugar, I got sugar, we all got sugar. Because we all eat sugar. We eat sugar all day. We eat fat foods, fried food all day long. We don't exercise. You don't exercise. I don't exercise. Nobody exercises. So everybody gains weight. Everybody's hurting. Everybody. Your back. Yeah, my neck going next. Yeah, my neck. Hips going. There you go. There you go. Foot. Everything, sir. Because we pass it down through the generations. Give me an amen if I'm right, people. It's a tradition. We all die around the same age. It's part of it. All right, enough of that. Let me start with, if I can, what I call part one, which is the script we have written for ourselves. And then I want to talk about the script God's written for us. First of all, Acts chapter 1, if you turn there, please, Acts chapter 1. Now, in your notes, you don't have to if you have notes, I'm going to simply read it for you. I need to read 11 verses. I don't normally read that many, but I need to read them quickly for you for a reason because it's going to set the stage. And here's what we're going to show you. We're going to show you a script that we have. And in the book of Acts, you're going to see the script the disciples had. And then I want to compare it to God's script. You ready? Look with me at Acts chapter 1, verse, um, chapter one, verse, verse 1. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. Until the day in which he was taken up after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. Now let me set that up for you. There's a guy named Theophilus. Can you say his name, please? Theophilus was a Roman official, somebody real important. And Theophilus was the guy that Luke, who wrote the book of Acts and the book of, of the Gospel of Luke, wrote two books in the New Testament. And in these books, he was writing to this guy named Theophilus. And if you look in Luke chapter 1, you see the same name and you see the statement. The book of Luke was written to explain to him all the things that Jesus began to do and teach. That's what that book about. He refers to it. He says, the former account I made, he's referring to the Gospel of Luke. The, the former things I told you in the Gospel of Luke, or in the book and the letter I wrote you of Theophilus, talked about what Jesus began both to do and teach. And it went all the way, verse 2, until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom, also, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible, what? Proofs. Being seen by them during how many years? For, I'm sorry. <laughs> how many days? Forty days. I can read. And speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So he says, I gave you a history of Jesus' life. But now in the book of Acts, he turns and says, now let me pick up where I left off. 
and talk about after he died. Scroll in your notes down to verse, chapter 1, verse 4. Are you with me? Say amen if you are. Amen. Chapter 1, verse 4. Being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to do what? Wait. wait. Big word. Wait for the promise of the Father, which he has said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but there's a new baptism coming, but, but you shall be baptized with what? The Holy Spirit, not many days from now. Skip down to verse 6. Now watch this. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him a question. Lord, will you do what? At this time, restore the kingdom. Are you with me? Say amen if you are. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know uh, times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. In other words, none of your business. (laughs) Verse 8. But here's what I do promise you. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come where? Upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria until the ends of the earth. Which means, it would be like saying, are you going to be witnesses to me in uh, Chatham County, Savannah, Georgia, Georgia, United States, and the whole world? That's what he's saying. You're going to be witnesses to me in Samaria, Judea, to the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, verse 9. Now, when he's spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. First time they ever saw a man fly, verse 10. And while they looked steadfastly, I guess so, toward heaven, as he went up. Imagine, first time you've seen anybody fly. Behold, two men stood by them in white apparel and said, Men of, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in like manner as you, as you saw him go where? Into heaven. Now go back to the very top of your notes, okay? Watch this. I want you to first think about this for a minute. There is a script that was written by God to the disciples. And it goes kind of like this in Acts chapter 1, verse 4. This script is in part two of your notes. This script basically outlines God's plan. Now remember, my plan, my plan. The disciples had a plan. Here's what their plan was. God's going to come and establish a kingdom. He's gonna, Jesus is going to conquer the Romans and take over. That was their plan. That was in their script. They had, they, when they saw him leave, they could not believe that that was his plan. There's no way Jesus is going to come here, go through all this and down the cross, and then rise from the dead, and then leave again. Help me understand that plan. What sense does that make? So when he's going up, they ask him in verse 6, they said, so uh, can you, before you leave, can you explain, are you leaving? That's not in the script. We, we imagined that you would come and now, you know, conquer the Romans, take over, establish your kingdom. And, and, I mean, if you can heal the sick, you can probably make people sick. You can point at them and zap them. I mean, you know, why are you leaving? It's confusing. You ever been there? God's not following your script. He's not following your plan. You should have been married by now. This, your life should be much more financially stable by now. You thought on, in your script the plan was, come on, what was it? And all of a sudden now, if you're not careful, you're frustrated, really frustrated. Because now he's showing you his script. His plan's different. Wow. Wow. Is it different? 
First of all, here's one thing that his script said. Wait. Boy, who likes that word? I want you to wait. First of all, go in Jerusalem, sit there and wait in the upper room until I call you. When they ask about the wait and how long it will be before he returns and when is he going to do all the things that they had in their script, he basically said, none of your business. In a nice way. You know, he said it like this. Uh, Verse 6 of chapter 1, right? Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, "Uh, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom? And he said to them, it's not for you to know. Uh, I choose not to tell you. That's hard. You just don't understand. Well, listen, if you're going to give me a script, could you just tell me the day my husband's coming? (laughs) That would be helpful. I'm serving you. I'm going to do whatever I'm doing to serve you. I don't understand why you didn't tell me. I don't understand what the point of making me wait is. Hmm. Well, that's your script. Your script says, I don't ever like to wait. Right here on page 15. In my script, when I ask you a question, God, I expect you to tell me. And I'll get mad if I don't get an answer. It's right here, page 16. I, I, don't, I don't like waiting at all. So God's script says, wait. God's script says, it's not for you to know. And then the third thing God's script said was what? You have power. Come on, it's in your notes. You can't get lost, right? The first thing that God's script said was what? Wait. Everybody say wait. You know, we used to have in Bible in college, we used to have these open, open, open book tests. He'd give you the textbook. They were the hardest tests in the world, too. He would say, now, based on this, students, I'm going to give you the textbook. And you have an open book test. You have, and it, would, it was amazingly difficult. So you have an open note test. The first thing God's script says under part two, if you're really lost, hang with me. God's script says do what? First of all, wait. God's script says what? Join me, people, one more time. Everybody join me. God's script says what? The second thing God's script says what? It's not for you to know. Pause that part right there. Can you say that with me, please? It's not for me me. to know. know. I love this. The time or the seasons. I'm not going to give you winter, spring. I'm not going to give you time of day. All I'm going to tell you to do is to wait. That's part of my script. And then he said, but I promise you something. Here's the third thing the script says. I promise you that while you're waiting, you have power. According to my script, God says you have power, you have ability to deal with whatever comes into your life. Trouble, difficulty, kids, children, husband, good husband, bad husband, money, difficulty. God's script says you're fine. Can I get an amen, church? You're fine. Now, how do I know you're fine? Because you be still here. You've been through hell and high water, but you be, excuse my grandma, still here. You've been up and you've been down. You've been down to the ground, but you are still where? Here. You've been broker than broke. You've been sick. You've been mad, angry, frustrated, lonely by yourself, but you are still where? Here. The script said so. The script said so. You shall have power. I gave it to you. So how come you all bent out of shape now? Read the script. 
Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. Talk to me, somebody. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will do what? Fear no evil because thou art with me. The script said so. What in the world are you all upset about? They died. I told you they're going to die. All souls are mine, the Bible said. I'm taking everybody, including you. That's in the script. Look at it. It said it. Script. Said it. So, you're supposed to be waiting. You're supposed to be. The script says so. He wrote it. And you know why he wrote it? Because he know if he didn't write it, you wouldn't you say he didn't say it. He said, no, I'm going to write this down. I know my people, they need to see it in writing. <laughs> they need a written document <laughs> so I can remind them chapter and verse. And then the script says something strange. Verse, verse 9. I'm coming back. I told you, I'm coming back. You ever had your children cry when you leave? Ricky went through this phase when we first, he wouldn't go to anybody. He wouldn't stay with anybody. Boy, you know, mom dying this old boy. She do, it's horrible. Ricky went to the school. We took Ricky down to a school, Christian school, paid good money. Rolled the boy, got him in there. You know, it's your first son. You want to put him in a nice place you can hardly afford. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Second, third child, you sit in the public school. You said, look, get that. I ain't got no money. Y'all ain't going. I'm not against private school. I'm just saying. <laughs> Sometimes your kids, you know, do the same thing when the kid, first kid, go to college. First kid, you, try, you spend all your money, go broke. Second, third kid, can't go. You know how it is. Anyway, <laughs> what happened now? Money. It all went to you. Anyway, anyway, don't feel bad. I'm telling the truth. Anyway, but you learn as you have more kids, as you live more life, you know, you learn. And, and sometimes in life, not careful ah, you just don't think far your mind just doesn't go far enough you get lost in one place and you just can't see is that you <laughs> Rick used to cry man he just screamed cry and he went to that school sat there and he wouldn't take off his coat. <laughs> he wouldn't take off his book bag. Nothing. He sat there all day. They tried to talk him out of it. You know what he said? I can't come. My daddy coming. <laughs> my daddy come and get me. <laughs> so they tried to give him lunch. He'd eat a little something. But then he, just, he sat by the door. So they called. They felt sorry for him. They said, you're going to have to come get this boy. He... He's not adjusting well, so we took him. We tried someplace else. Ricky just wouldn't go anywhere. He just wouldn't. And so Diane said, what are we going to do? And I tell the story all the time. We took him to one little cheap place. didn't cost much money. didn't cost much ABC daycare at the time. And, 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 and we took him, and Miss Dot walked out. That's her name. Never will forget her. And she looked at him. She said, Ricky, will you go with me? He said, show. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. And he went with that woman, and that was it. We love her. We love her today. And I see her hug her. Hey, Miss Doc, give me a hug. Saved our life. <laughs> Saved our life. I told that boy I was going to come back. He took me too literally, you know, but he, it took him a while to realize no, daddy said he's coming back. Mom and daddy going to come back and get me. Jesus said, I'm coming back. 
All this is not going to continue. All this political mess is going to be gone. All this stuff we're dealing with is going to be gone. One day it's going to be over. He said, listen, all this foolishness, all this shooting, killing, all this is going to be over. Now, police can do what they can do, but one day I'm telling you, when I come back, it's really going to stop. Can we get an amen to that? It's really going to stop. Now, I want to close with a thought. Five questions that this book of Acts teaches us, okay, that I want you to consider. When I look at my script, I have a question. Just when I look at my script, just me. Do I have a Luke in my life that can help me face the facts? What's great about this story in the book of Acts, in these 11 verses, you got a guy laying out the truth. Who is your Luke? Who is, who is the person that lays the facts out for you? Do you allow a Luke in your life? Do you allow somebody to come into your life and speak to you? Some of us have no Luke. And for some of you, this is Luke. I am Luke to you. Sharing a thought, taking your mind in a different place, trying to get you to have a, a better vision of your life and the world around you, a better vision of your family. You're so angry with everybody, you see it one way, you're in a tunnel, and you think you're right, and you're locked in here, and you're just locked in. And I'm trying to get you to have a better vision. I'm trying to get you to cut a new path. Do you have anybody that can challenge you to wait? Who can tell you to wait? Are, are, <laughs> I personally... Don't like waiting, but I've learned that waiting is my best friend. So here's a question I need to ask myself. Do I have a Luke, and do I have somebody that I allow to tell me to wait? It's not time. You shouldn't get married right now. You're not in the place right now. Don't start a business right now. You're not in the, you don't have enough cash. Can anybody stop you? One of my favorite questions, do you have a stopper? Who do you allow to do that? Or do you say those great words, I am grown? That's famous, right? I am grown. I am a grown man, grown woman. Yeah, I hear you. Thirdly, do I trust God when I don't know the times or the seasons? That's a question for me. I, 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 I don't like this not knowing thing. But I'm glad he didn't tell me I was going to be a preacher. I'm glad he didn't tell me in my early 20s that I'd be pastoring a church. I would have laughed. He just kept things from me because he knows how I think. He knows I'll get in the way. I'll worry. I'll complain. I'll get frustrated. There are just things that you don't need to know. That's why a professor doesn't give you the final exam on the beginning. He knows it'll flip you out. Let's just do one chapter at a time, students. That's how they sucker you in. Then you just do a three-page paper, then a 30-page. You know, it's, kind of, it's, it's going to lead. Don't worry. You're going to do, look, look, you're going to do a 30-page paper, but you're going to have 10 little small papers. I'm going to get you there. Slowly. Come on, everybody say slowly. Slowly. That's why it doesn't tell you the time of the seasons. Because you just, you just can't manage it. Fourth question I want you to ask yourself. Do I believe I have all the power and ability I need. 
I, do I really believe that? If I did, I, my attitude would be different toward anything. Problems on the job, difficulties, I would, not, I would not be worried. Look at me for a second. If you're worried, you question whether you have power to deal with that. And you can't judge that just by your checkbook. There are things around here that require faith. I have the power and the ability to build a one and a half, two million dollar uh, facility that I want to build. I can do. I, I got that money in the bank. It just ain't manifested yet. <laughs> you know where it's at? It's divided up in your checkbooks. <laughs> Ten thousand, five thousand, hundred dollars. Come on, talk to me, somebody. Come on, come on, come on. Amen. I got it. I know I got it. I got it. It's going it's to be all for the kids. I'm going to do something amazing. You're going to love it. But, you know, it's just, it's, that's how it works. It's all about us understanding I have everything I need because I have always had everything I needed. I have been young and I have been old, but I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Come on, say amen, church. I've seen God step in and bless us. We needed 4.4 million one time. God stepped in and blessed us. We needed 2 million. I've seen God step in. God will do this. You know, it's all about understanding. So my faith needs to be focused and my attitude needs to be clear. I don't need to be begging and pleading and falling out and seeing angels flying with wings and all that. I just tell y'all what we're going to do and God's going to do it. Come on, say amen. amen. Come on, church. I believe it. I believe that. Amen. I believe it. We're going to do it. Everybody say next year. Next year. Woo. That is key. See, I... Can't know the time of the season, can you? But I'm believing that. I'm believing that. I'm, I'm, I'm coming at you next year. I believe that this is the year for us as a church to take a bold step forward. Lift your hands high. Say it with me. Say, I have, I have the, faith. the faith. Don't say it like you know many. Come on, say, I have, I have the, faith the faith to believe, to believe that, I that I can do everything, everything God, needs God needs me to do. And everything, everything I need to do, I, need I will win. In the end, in Jesus' name, amen. Now give God a hand clap. I believe that. Praise God. In the end. Now, I'll say this. Some people don't believe anything. They don't. And it shows in what they, you can hear it in their words. You can see it in their actions and their attitudes. You are determined to think a certain way. And if you're not careful, you'll sit at the door of your life frustrated. So here's the last question. Do I really believe that Jesus will return for me? I really do. I believe that everything I'm doing is for his glory. Everything we're doing is for his glory. And we're going to touch lives for years to come. But it all starts with being located in our mind in the right place. So next week we'll talk about that, the power of your location. And I want to take you on a journey that will elevate your thinking and it's lifted me to a new place. Because what what I feel as I close this out is I believe that God's hand is stretched out waiting for your hand. So reach your hands out with me, would you please? Father, we stretch our hands out to you. We stretch our hands out believing that just like you reach for us, the Bible said draw near to you and you'll draw near to us. So we stretch our hands out. We're reaching, reaching to touch more lives, reaching to make a difference, reaching to have a happier consciousness. I don't, I don't want all that worry and grief. We're reaching to be free, reaching. 
in the name of Jesus. Reaching. Hands down. Look at me for a second. Yesterday. Pastor Rick, can you please? I know you're busy. But my marriage is in a shambles. Reaching. Pastor Rick, can you please? My ministry is in a shambles. You got a minute. I got a couple of questions for you. Reaching. My brother just died, Pastor, yesterday. Reaching. My mama just died yesterday. It was yesterday. Reaching. I deal with reaching people all the time. In church, text messages, online, Facebook friends, online. I got your messages. I responded to every one of you before I got up here. Reaching. People are reaching. And some are reaching from some dark places. Went to a friend of mine's home going. His daughter, 40 years old, Bishop Timothy Clark. And I'm telling you, man, good God, sitting there, thought to myself, mm, tough. It's tough to see people in dark places. And he did something at the end of the home going. We were all jammed into a, a mausoleum there. And, and uh, I was leaning up against the wall. I had a little part I played in that part of the ceremony. And I was leaning up against the wall. And the lady was behind me. I didn't even look at her. She started crying. Everybody was crying. And she said, sir, I don't know you. She leaned over and said, can I just put my head on your shoulder for a minute? And I just, she just cried. I didn't even look at her. So it was just, we were all crying. It was a horrible moment, dark moment. You have been there? Man. Then my friend did something that stayed with me. He did this. It was finished, you know. Funeral's over. I've been there for two days. I, yeah, it's a two-day thing that had me. He said, how many days do you want me to come, Timothy? He said, come both days. I come both you, I ain't got no schedule. I'll come in two days. All over with at the end. He does this. Walks over to the casket. Okay. Okay. Okay, D.D. Okay. Woo. Thank God, boy. Oh, and I remember my boy when he hit that casket with his hands. Okay. Done all I can. Baby, 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 baby girl. Did all I can, baby. Okay, okay. He walked away. And the man, I'm telling you, man. I, whew, Jesus, I just, I, I was crying. I was, I was no good. I was just sitting there thinking, Jesus, give me strength. What, what if that was me? It's one thing to preach to other people, right? Do I believe that Jesus cares about me? Do I believe he's coming for me? Do I, do I trust him? Do I follow his script when it's hard? that moment when he hit that casket and his wife cried oh god she cried good god almighty she she a lot when the mama cries and man i'm telling you it was it was a moment i went back to the car i was i was a mess trying not to look like a mess you know you hate to see your friends in those places then the question was what do i believe when it's my turn 
I encourage people all day long. People always reaching for me. But what about when Monday comes? Some of you are there right now. You preach to everybody else. But when it's your turn to reach, do you believe God's going to reach out and touch you? Come on. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Do you believe that his script says, don't you worry. I'll never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. Though the enemy rush in like a, like a flood, I'll lift up a standard against him. Do you believe that your God is still God when you don't have the money in the bank you want? Is he still God when you're hitting on that casket saying, I've done all I can, baby. Whoa, God about it. Jesus, that moment. Thousands came to her home going. Did all they could do. I was in the airport getting on the plane. I was on the, getting on the plane. I was getting on the plane. They were boarding the plane. I called him and said, hey, man, I just called to tell you, I love you and I care about you. And uh, he said, hey, man, I thought we were going to lunch. No, we ain't going to lunch. Getting on the plane. I've been here for two days. He said, you want to go to lunch? Switched my plane. Went to his house. Went to lunch. Sat in his man room. I reached. Reach again. Let me see you reach. Reach. Sometimes you got to reach for people. Your son could be hurting. You need to reach for him. I needed to reach for my friend that day. I needed to change my plans that day. Who do you need to reach for? Some of you are mad with people. You need to stop being mad with people. Need to reach and love them, help them. Now reach to heaven. Father, we lift our hands to you today. We thank you for the message and all that's been said. We, we thank you for your ability to heal hearts. We thank you for your ability to bring wholeness to the heart of those who are here. We ask you in Jesus' name. There's somebody that we need to reach for that's hurting. Help us to do a better job of reaching and not complaining and belittling and saying I told you so may we cast that from us and Lord may we also reach to you knowing you're reaching back and that you promised that you would according to your script never leave us nor forsake us we may not know the times of the season we may be waiting and it may be uncomfortable but we know that you will always come through and that you gave us power and the ability to make it through this season in Jesus name now give God a big hand clap like you got somebody. Come on, come on, give God a big shout. Can you give God a big shout? Come on, give God a big hallelujah and a big glory to God. Come on, amen. You did it right. Stand up on your feet. Put your stuff down for just a minute. I know we got a time schedule, but I want to take a moment to give God some praise and declare that God's hand is on my life and God's script work. Come on, church. Shout out loud. Hallelujah. Living God, we praise you. In the name of Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in this room today and you say, you know, Pastor, I have been living by my script, not God's script. I have not given my life to Christ. I need to make a decision today, and I do. I'm reaching for God today. 
With every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand so I can pray for you. Wherever you are in your seat, say, I see you, I see you. Anybody else saying pray for me right now? I see you. Anybody else saying, I see your hand, I see you. Anybody else saying pray for me? I see your hand. Anybody else? Anybody else saying pray for me? This is the day. I see your hand as well. I see others. God bless you, Father. We lift up every hand. We lift up the hands that that have been raised so far. We pray in Jesus' name that these 10 plus people bless them. Touch them. Let this be the breakthrough moment for them where they reach for God. We want to, uh, we thank you for the right to write our own script. You gave us life. You want us to write a script, but we don't want to exclude you. We don't want our script to ever be more important than you and how you want us to live. We want to obey your word. And so I thank you for the right to have a script, but also thank you for the power of your script that guides us in our writing of our life. And so we give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. I think it's been a good time. You think so? Come on, amen. I think it's been a good time together.